You're listening to Discriminology, the podcast that aims to dismantle discrimination one discussion at a time. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios with your host Malik Silau, Steve Kramer, and Sydney Penn. Welcome back to another episode of Discriminology. I'm your host for today, Malik Silao, and today we'll be doing something relatively new. Last season, we introduced a reduced version of our typical episode model. For the first time, airing a podcast that was under 10 minutes long. It actually ended up being one of our more popular episodes. Not sure if that's because of our listeners' lack of attention span or if it was because the content was actually better. Irrespective of that, we decided to expand it into an ongoing miniseries called What Black Twitter Taught Me. Black Twitter is good for anything from pop culture, sports commentary, and intense sociopolitical discourse. With this miniseries, we will share with you what we learned from these insightful threads on various sociopolitical topics. Today, we will be discussing Haitian history as it relates to colonialism and their strife for independence. Haiti has endured some tumultuous periods throughout their history. A few months ago, you may have seen some of the nation's more recent struggles in the news. Political assassinations and natural disasters have created an influx of Haitian refugees attempting to enter the United States. Troubling images of refugees being met with less than empathetic border enforcement went viral a few months ago as well. There was one in particular where a border patrol officer forcefully grabbed one of the refugees. In his hand, it seemed like he was holding a whip. While the whip aspect of the photo ended up not being the case, the point remains the same. There's a basic lack of humanity. And there's also a lack of historical context in terms of how Haiti ended up in such a tumultuous situation to begin with. The thread we came across was created by Michael Harriet, who is a senior writer for The Root. This thread provided some insightful context on the situation. He begins the thread with a jarring introductory tweet. You can't really be angry at this picture without getting angry at the backstory. The picture we're referring to is the, is the one aforementioned in the opening. He explains that with the result of the Haitian Revolution, Formerly enslaved people in Haiti became the first ones to take control of their country, and this apparently terrified white people at the time. This took place during the early 1800s. It's important to note that the distance between Haiti and the United States is the same distance between Charleston, South Carolina, and New York City. At the time, Haiti was much wealthier and economically stable than the United States, who was coming off their own very costly revolutionary war. Directly after the war, the U.S. immediately began invading neighboring indigenous nations, stealing their land and resources to solve for their financial issues they were facing at the time. While all of this was going on, people who would later be recognized as the framers were perplexed by Haiti's lack of desire to colonize other nations after garnering their own independence. Thomas Jefferson, in particular, was extremely nervous about a potential nationwide slave revolt. To help quell some of these anxieties, they offered Haiti an agreement basically soliciting them to not incite any slave rebellions in their colonies. Haiti's response in Michael's words were, bruh, we just defeated Napoleon's French forces, the British and the Spanish. We are very tired, so okay. Despite this colloquial agreement, when Jefferson eventually became the third president of the United States, he bought most of France's land in North America. Some of you who did well in history class may remember this being called the Louisiana Purchase. Among other reasons, he did this because France did not formally recognize Haiti's independence. Therefore, black people could travel freely from Haiti to French territory in North America. Jefferson didn't stop his Haitian sabotage attempts there. 
He convinced Congress to enact a trade embargo and refused to recognize them as their own independent country. Think about the level of hypocrisy here. America, built on liberty and the consent to be governed, not long ago fighting and winning their own independence, was actively conspiring against the only other free country in the Western Hemisphere. Fast forward some time, President James Monroe instituted the Monroe Doctrine. Essentially, this was America vowing to protect all of the Americas. So this includes North, South, and the Caribbean. This was enacted in 1825. Three years later, France sent two warships to Haiti to collect what's worth today as $25 billion for quote-unquote reparations. Despite all this, Haiti remained confident in the situation because of the recently enacted Monroe Doctrine, confident that the Americans would have their back. You can probably guess that the Monroe Doctrine didn't apply to Haiti, unfortunately. America at the time was very conflicted, having to protect their investment in the institution of slavery, so they sided with France. Haiti ended up having to pay French slave owners reparations. You may already be saying to yourself that there's so many things wrong with this picture, but there's more. In 1915, due to political instability in Haiti, the United States decided it was best to take Haiti's gold out of their bank for quote-unquote safekeeping. This was done forcefully, of course. This resulted in Haiti having no money to pay its debt to France. Remember, the debt that was arbitrary to begin with, which the U.S. supported? Haiti was forced to then take out a loan. And who loaned them the money? America. They loaned them the money that they took for quote-unquote safekeeping. As insane as this all sounds, yes, that is correct. Haiti had to take out a loan on the money that was stolen from them to pay reparations to compensate people who enslaved them, all a result of U.S. foreign policy supporting the vestiges of colonialism. What made it worse was that the financial scam was perpetual. Haiti was not even effectively paying off their debt to France. 80% of their revenue simply paid off the interest from their quote-unquote loan from the United States. Now, if you've been following this this whole time, you're probably thinking to yourself, this can't possibly get any worse, but it 100% gets a lot worse, according to the thread. In Michael's words, after refusing to recognize Haiti's independence for the exact same kind of revolution as America, after scamming Haiti into poverty for slavery, after allowing our military to rape and terrorize their country, after sending forces to Haiti more than a dozen times between 1915 and 1937, after doing all this to the only other independent country in the Americas, after doing all of this secretly and solely because of race, we wanted more. How much more? All of it. The United States told Haiti that they would remove their occupying forces if they agreed to rewrite the Constitution to give the U.S. total control over the nation's finances and allow the U.S. to choose their president. As extreme as all this sounds, Harriet cited all this information from the U.S. Office of Historian to create the thread, and we will post the thread and all the related resources on our social media accounts. We encourage you to review the material yourself. Back to the thread. Haiti eventually became debt-free, not because of the United States, but because of France. France canceled Haiti's debt back in 2015. All this to say throughout this high-level overview, the United States could have intervened at any time, and by intervene, I simply mean stop. To stop stealing from Haiti, to stop enforcing slave reparations, and to stop invading their country. Messing with Haiti did nothing to help the United States. It's correct that Haiti is ravaged by poverty. It's correct that Haiti is plagued by political violence and unrest. But if we're going to comment on that, we have to remember that we as a country have a healthy hand to play in their misfortunes. 
With that historical context, if fleeing Haitians are coming to our borders, our role in the country's misfortune alone should cause us to welcome them with open arms. And with that, you have our second installment of What Black Twitter Taught Me. We highly encourage you to go review all the materials on your own and not simply just take our word for it. You can find all of the related materials posted on our social media accounts, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, this thread was provided by Michael Harriet. He is a senior writer for The Root. Feel free to check him out on Twitter. He has a lot of threads similar to this, not just about Haiti, but about uh, a plethora of different topics. I tried my best to keep this under 10 minutes, but if I didn't, I think y'all will survive. As always, thank you for tuning in to this Criminology Podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the show. Discriminology is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, Wild Ones, is licensed through Twano Beats LLC. Other music and sound effects licensed through Epidemic Sound. Discriminology is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow us at discriminology underscore podcast on Instagram, at discriminology3 on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios.